Today we have John Limbacher with Internet Dominators with us. John, thank you for joining the podcast. Ah, thank you for having me. I'm uh, glad to be here. Yeah, and as we were just talking about before we got started, we're uh, recording this during a very interesting time. We're in the midst of the coronavirus, uh, and you were just saying that it's, it's affecting your business a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy what's going on out there in the world. I've, I've been hearing rumors over the last week from pretty credible sources, so I figured, you know, why not get on board with it, and I've taken all my live events and turned them to virtual, and, you know, it's all in the in the uh, the act of public safety, so, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, one, one of the things, one of the themes I always like to touch upon in my mm-hmm. interviews is, you know, disruption and how it's affecting my interview subjects business or how they're capitalizing on it. And uh, this is a very disruptive environment that we're in right now. And uh, good to see that you're able to press forward. And I think technology is really helping us to, to all do that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really feel fortunate at this given point in time because most of my business are in fact, probably the majority of my business is all done online. So I don't really need to be out face to face. You know, I, I do a lot of, a lot of speaking and things like that. In fact, last Thursday I was in Long Beach and I was speaking at the Long Beach convention center to the pool association. And right at the end of my speech, I saw the, uh, you know, the people running the show and some of the security coming into the back of the room and, and uh, I thought, oh, well, they're here to join the show. And, and as soon as I got done with my speech, they closed the whole building down. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. And Long Beach Convention Center has been closed since last Thursday. It was crazy. I, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even the office building that I'm in, in management is talking about closing it down this week. So uh, a lot of unprecedented things happening right now. Yeah, but as uh, as we were getting kind of ushered out of the building, I uh, I spoke to the guy that was running the show, and he would, they were just devastated because that, I mean that that is a big show for them, and that was the first day they didn't even get it off the ground, so they they're going to lose a lot of money on that. And uh, what he said to me, he said, "You can do this online, can't you?" And I yeah. said, "Yeah, absolutely. I would be more than happy to." do an online, you know, like a webinar presentation for your whole group and see if I can help them. Cause that was what I was there for was to help them with their internet presence so they could grow their business in the pool association. Yeah. So he was, uh, he was all over that. <laughs> well, tell, yeah, before we get, before we get too deep into our conversation, I want to let the listeners know what you do. So tell, tell our listeners a little bit about internet dominators and uh, the services that you guys provide. Okay, sure. Yeah, we've uh, we've kind of been in it since the beginning. I was forced into the the whole online business out of a photography world I used to be in. I did high-end commercial photography. And uh, when Photoshop came out, it pretty much ended that. Talk about a disruption. Yeah. It, it ended a very lucrative career that I had for a decade. And uh, where I shifted was I shifted into the internet where I could – I could still help those same businesses I was working with just in a different way. And ever since then, that was like the mid nineties. I've been providing web hosting, web development, 
SEO, search engine optimization, getting people in front of the right, the right ideal prospects when they search online. And uh, recently, I've kind of shifted gears into teaching people how to build their own online marketing funnels and, you know, collect leads and, and generate business online to the little guys because there's so many people out there they're going, they're desperate. They're going from seminar to seminar, hoping for a miracle and nobody's really giving them the real answers. They're not telling them what's really involved in, you know, in online marketing, how to actually do it. They're selling them thing after thing after thing, but not really connecting the dots. So I've been teaching them, you know, what's really involved, how to create marketing funnels, how to drive traffic to them and, and how to build a, you know, a business that they can run online. So that's kind of what I've been up to lately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. So give me an example of a client that you've helped and you know, the specific uh, game plan that you put in place for them. Okay, sure. I, I have a great one from the past. This one, this is going back uh, quite a few years when I was just starting out doing SEO for, for a guy. And this is a really good lesson for anybody out there. And it, it has to do with identifying who you really want to work with. When they came to me, they, uh, they were doing water sports equipment for like resorts, hotels, stuff like that. And I started, I got them online, built them a website and, and started promoting them in the search engines for all of that stuff, you know, masks, snorkels, kayaking gear, you know, what have you, all, those, all the equipment for a water sports company to sell to a resort. And at the end of the year, you know, we did an online review. And uh, basically, I, I set a lot of my customers down at least once a year and say, okay, what did we do? How did we do it? What could we do better? And when we, when we had that meeting with that client, I asked him, I said, so where are you most profitable? And he said, well, our most profitable thing is water slides. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know about that. <laughs> so I took a step back. We shifted gears and re-optimized him. And uh, he wound up getting a, a call from a major celebrity that had him put a, a big water park slide in her backyard out in Las Vegas. <laughs> and because of that he came back he didn't even wait the year for his next meeting he came back and he said i want to i want to optimize for water parks like building water parks and and i was kind of stepped back a little bit i'm like wow can you actually do that he said yeah he goes i have all the vendors i can definitely do it so again we re-optimized his his whole program and the next thing you know, he's got a water park construction project in Dubai for, I think it was like over a hundred million dollar project. Jeez. And it was like, it shifted the whole dynamic of his entire thought process and business. He no longer wanted to sell masks and snorkels. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a really good example from my past of, you know, when you go through the process identifying who you really want to work with. And, you know, with the internet, you can actually be kind of choosy because everything is based on keywords. So it's like a lot of people, when they get in business, they're kind of desperate for lack of a better word. And they, they will just take on anyone. And what I've seen a lot of times when you do that, you get busy 
but you're not busy moving forward. You're stagnant because you're, you know, you're so busy churning the wheels and not moving forward with the people you really want to work with and making real profit. Mm-hmm. So that that's a really good lesson for everybody to, you know, not be too focused on just getting somebody to pay you, but getting the right person to pay you. Right. So, so to summarize that story, you had a client that basically had like an e almost like an e-commerce site. Is that right? If they were selling, you know, the snorkels and things, or I guess it's B2B. So maybe it's not a traditional e-commerce site, right? Yeah, that's correct. They, uh, they really didn't have a website at all. We actually created that website for them to take them online. They were doing this in the real world. They had catalogs and salespeople and, you know, they were, they were, for lack of a better word, going out face-to-face selling to these resorts. Sure. sure. So, so we, we opened up a whole new world to them to, to put it online. Yeah, yeah. So through your optimization and some of the testing that you did, you kind of learned that, you know, you could focus on the most profitable aspect of his business and really expand his reach in that area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think for me, the, the learning lesson for me there was to ask a lot more and better questions. Because mm-hmm. I think when I started, I, you know, I asked him, well, what are you doing? And, you know, how can I help you? And if I'd asked better questions, I probably would have got him to where he wanted to be a lot quicker, even though neither one of us knew what that was at the time. <laughs> yeah, I think what a lot of people don't understand about the SEO process is that, you know, they have a very, a lot of people have a very kind of myopic view of it where they're thinking about, you know, what their business looks like today. And if they were to use SEO to expand their existing business as is like, just, just like the example you gave, you know, continue selling more snorkels and what does that look like (laughs) pro forma basis. But, you know, if you really, kind of take a, a deeper look at SEO, you know, it gives you the opportunity to explore the areas of your business where, you know, it makes the most sense to grow and uh, really fundamentally, potentially fundamentally change your business um, depending on where the market opportunities lie. So, um, you know, I've, I've seen that with my own business in the past before I started out with, um, you know, I haven't really shared this on any of the other podcasts, but when I was in law school, I developed a incorporation business that was all online. It was called Startup Legal. And, you know, we developed a page for every state and uh, different entity types in each state. And, you know, we optimized for that. And what I found was that eventually, while the incorporation business was good, there were larger legal projects out there. Um, that were more appealing and we ended up kind of rebranding and revising things to try to capture those opportunities. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I haven't, I haven't had the good fortune to go from, you know, <laughs> Norkels to a hundred million dollar water parks, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty uh, extreme example, but I figure, yeah. you know, it, it makes a good point. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so aside from the SEO work that you do. Um, I noticed going through your website, there are some other services you provide as well. Do you want to touch on some of those? Yeah, sure. Um, like one of the biggest things that we've moved into, you know, in the last 
four or five years is really the training part of things where we're, you know, we're training business owners how to use the internet, how to, how to actually do the marketing. Cause what I've found is most business owners, they know what they know, but they really don't know how to sell it. And that is something that, you know, it's been around for a long time. It's not really anything secret, but nobody that I've seen really unravels effectively how to do it in a simple way that, that people can get their head around. So I've spent quite a bit of time putting together a program that I call ACT and it's ACT. And what that stands for is analysis, creation, and traffic. And in that order specifically, because that's the way the ad agencies do it. You know, they don't jump into creating an ad campaign until they've analyzed the market and figured out, you know, is there actually a market for this? And if there is a market, what are the segments of the market? And then of the profitable segments, you know, as they separate the segments out, some of them will be very profitable, just like in the water park stuff or in the water sports stuff, the water park, that was a very profitable segment of that bigger niche. So that's what an ad agency will do is they look for those kind of opportunities. And I've learned a lot just like watching them and what they do and how they do it. And that's kind of what I've put together in this program. So the average person uh, in business can get their head wrapped around how it really works. So that's, uh, you know, that's kind of been the, the main thing I've been focused on here over the last couple of years. But we still do, you know, a lot of web development. I've put a new team together because that's another thing I've seen. Everybody jumped on the Internet, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And they threw up a website, and it's been sitting there ever since. And as you know, as, as times change, things kind of go out of date. So there's a massive opportunity right now for businesses to have their websites recreated to today's standards. Yep. So that's another thing I've been keying in on. We've built, uh, we've built more websites in the last two quarters than probably in the last 10 years, quite honestly. Wow. And, you know, cause I kind of, I was in that really heavy in the mid nineties and, you know, for that first 10 years of the internet, I was very active in building websites and then it hit a point where it was pretty saturated and that's when I will move. I'll always move to greener pasture. Well, that, that pasture after a very long drought got some rain yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's become very green again. Yeah, yeah there are, I mean, as, you know, there are, there are um, quite a few opportunities that I see on a day-to-day -day basis in that regard with respect to companies that haven't optimized for mobile devices or yeah. current, current browser um, standards. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's another thing I, I, I'll throw out here for you. That's kind of a new technology. People have heard the word that I'm going to talk about here, but not in the context of the way that we're doing it. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples of, of some massive failures based on the word you're about to hear, but then I'll also show you what we're doing that's different, that is highly, highly effective. And it's uh, geofencing. And I'm sure you've heard that. And Basically, the standard way to geofence is to, to rope off a location area and broadcast the signal out to the cell phones that enter that area. 
And that's what most people know it as. And it was really hyped and a lot of people jumped in on it and they did not get good results. I don't know of anybody that actually used it effectively. And in fact, when it first came out, I was, I, I jumped on board. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. This is, this is a killer new thing. And I took one of the little beacons into Angel Stadium and I broadcast a message to Angel Stadium on the seventh inning for free beer at a particular beer stand. And you know how many people showed up for the free beer? Many. It was zero. <laughs> Not one person. And I'm like, oh, wow, I cannot get behind this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I can't give away free beer at, at, a, at a baseball, a major league baseball stadium, I got some issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I kind of dropped out of it. I, I just stepped back. I'm like, yeah, that's not something that I want to get involved with. But more recently, our, our developer that's developing software for us for SEO, he's put together a thing that, that I got involved with. And what we're doing, we're doing the same kind of thought process, but he has connected it with four different technologies. So we're able now to take a geofence area, which is basically any place in the real world, and as cell phones come into that area, we can grab the ID of the cell phone and connect it through a consumer database to other devices that are used by the user so we can retarget them and follow them home. And that has proven to be really, really effective. Um, an example of that, is if you were a vendor at a trade show, obviously you're at the trade show to connect with all the people that come through the door. But as you probably know, if you've ever worked a trade show, there's only so many people you can talk to. And it's, it's probably a, a thousandth of the people that are actually on the show floor that you want to connect with. So this is a way to grab their, their cell phone's ID when they come in the building and be able to send retargeted ads to them for the next year till they go back to the show again. So right. retargeting ads have been really effective in the industry. The problem with them is the cost to create the audience because you have to pay for the traffic to get them to your website so you can retarget them and follow them with the ads. So I want to I want to stop you for a second just so that everybody who's listening to this can really understand the concept. So sure. when you were in Angel Stadium and you put that out ad out there, where was that ad disseminated? It was going into the notifications on their cell phones, which obviously nobody's checking those when they're at an Angel game or a baseball game. Say, but when you say notifications, like, you know, like I would get an Amber alert, like that kind of notification or not as a, not as evasive as that or invasive as that. Yeah. It's like when you, when you pull down, I think <laughs> I have a Android phone and I know on the Android, I'm not sure how it works on the iPhone, but on the Android phone, you can pull down and you can see current notifications. Like if you've got a Facebook message came in or yes. somebody yeah. liked you or yeah. something like that, that's where I'm referring to. And that's the typical where those, where those messages are broadcast. In there. Where, where, if somebody clicked on that notification though, where would it take you? Because when I get notifications, it's either a text message or an email gotcha. or, or it's coming through some sort of app, right? 
Gotcha. And it depends on who's doing the the ad, but typically they'll send you to a, a clickable landing page on a website somewhere, you know, in the mobile device. But they can do it in many different ways. They can take you to an app. They can, they, you know, they can take you many different places when you do that click. But okay. in, my, in my case, I just took them to a little, you know, a little web page that said, you know, gave them the details of how to get the free beer. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. But so, the other thing about the beacon, about that technology, when they go outside the range, the broadcast stops and the, and the notification disappears. Right, right. So, okay, so tell me about, and I, I may have, I, I know you were talking about like different applications of this type of technology after the uh, Angels game example, but tell me about why this technology is m more attractive today than when you first tested it. Okay, so when I first tested it, the only place that would send the notification is right there on the scene. So like when they leave the stadium, they get home, there's nothing. There's no way to follow them. Right. So what I'm talking about today is knowing what other computer devices. So like, let's say they, they go in, they've got their cell phone in their pocket. We're not, we're not really trying to broadcast the message to them right there. What we're trying to do is identify yeah, what other devices we can send the, the banner ads to. So we'll send those banner ads after they leave the stadium or leave wherever they've been tagged in the geofence and we'll follow them to their other devices. Like we can follow them home. We can follow them to work. If they have a work computer, a home computer, they can start seeing our ads now in the advertisers that they're, they're pulling up in their daily, their day-to-day -day routine. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's got a long-term effect to it. Just like, any retargeting, for those in the audience that are not familiar with the, with the word retargeting, it's when you go to a website, they'll, they'll put like a cookie tag in your browser. So when you go to another website that displays ads from an ad network, it recognizes the cookie and it says, oh, this person's interested in this because they've been on that website. So let's show them this ad instead of just some random ad. Right, right. And that's what we're able to do now based on where they go in the real world. So an example of that is like if you had, let's say, an Italian restaurant, what we could do is we could geotarget the Italian restaurants that are within five miles of you. And then when anybody goes into any one of those restaurants, now they're going to see ads and we can send them coupons to bring them into your Italian restaurant. Chances are, they probably like Italian food, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you find that, you know, we're, we're reaching a level of saturation with ads, though? I mean, it seems like, you know, as a consumer, you get bombarded every which way. You know, you, you talk about notifications on your phone, um, text messages, emails, you know, retargeting with banner ads. Um, you know, ads coming through other apps or games that you're using. Um, is, is there, you know, are, are we seeing kind of a, are we getting to a point where the user is just disregarding the ads because they're just so inundated with ads? There, there's an absolute truth to that, but there's also a truth that's contrary to that. Okay. And the truth that's contrary to it is the part that's really important. 
And, and yes, you're absolutely right. They're seeing ad after ad after ad, and they're kind of getting, they, there's even a term for it called banner blindness. They're, okay. they're just disregarding that. But what happens, our subconscious is trained to look for things that are important to us. So when you come across with an ad that is, it's going to grab your subconscious, it's going to pull you right out of that hole instantly. It's kind of like if you've ever bought a car before, like let's say you wanted to buy a, a VW bug. <laughs> I'll just use that as an example. Sure. Let's say, you know, it pops into your head. And I, I use that example because my wife, uh, she recently got the, the bug fever. <laughs> oh, you just got one? It, well, she did, not me. I'm not going to admit to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, prior to that, that was not on our mind. You know, we'd never even discussed it, never thought of it. Right. And, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, do these things even exist? And after we started looking at them, when we were out on the road, we noticed they were everywhere because it would come into our subconscious mind of this oh. is important. Right. And that's the same thing. Everybody has a subconscious and every subconscious has things it looks for on a subconscious level. And that's where if you figure out what's important to your audience and you bring the right ad in front of them, I guarantee you it will grab their attention. It will defeat the banner blindness. So the term is banner blindness, banner with a B. Is that right? Yes. Like banners, like ad banners. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's an excellent point. And I hadn't really thought about it that way. I mean, I, I think we all are aware of how our interests can be piqued when, uh, when we see something we recognize or that we're, we're already looking for mm -hmm. or an ad relative relevant to that. Yeah. And the, the real, the real magic behind that is getting them to identify with a problem and then using your advertising campaign to connect the problem to the solution that you offer. And now that's top of mind and that's what they look for and they'll see it everywhere. So when your banner ads start popping up in front of them all the time, they're going to really take notice of them. Got it. Got it. So do all the campaigns that you run, all the different advertising campaigns you run, incorporate some type of retargeting? Um, you know, it's really based on the client. We always make the recommendation, but ultimately it's up to them what they want to invest in, you know, in their own advertising. Mm -hmm. But I, I really believe that retargeting is probably the best bang for the buck at this point in time. That was going to be my next question. You know, is it, is it undervalued in the market? It sounds like you feel it is. Yeah, I truly believe it is. I, I, the clients that I see that use it, they come back and they say, this is by far the most cost-effective advertising that they've ever experienced. And the thing is, they always want more. They, they're like, how can we do more of this? And I'm like, well, unfortunately, you're limited to the inventory of the people on your site. Right. <laughs> so if you want more, you've got to pay for the traditional ads to get them to your site so you can retarget them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, cool, the cool part about this new technology is we're literally able to create the audience at no cost because, you know, we just put the geo fence and the audience is everyone that enters that, that target range. And we can build a massive audience really quickly that you can use that really inexpensive, highly effective retargeting on. Now, when you say 
anybody that enters that range, you mean a specific, specific geographic footprint. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, that's like where the geofence term comes in. Uh, the only thing I, I'm a little hesitant to even call it geofencing because that, in my opinion, just has a bad name to anybody that's tried it. So what we did is we came up with a, a new name for what we're actually doing, and we're calling it crowd targeting. Okay. So we're actually targeting a crowd of people in a particular location for the purpose of retargeting them with ads. Got it. Got it. So, you know, again, for the layman to really dumb it down, what you're doing here is you're giving yourself a broader audience to retarget to a broader, but still relevant audience to, to send retargeted ads to. Correct. Yes. You know, versus just sending retargeted ads to uh, visitors to your site. Is that yeah, correct? exactly. And the, the cool part about it is, we're selling the ads. Basically, the ads don't cost you. The retargeted ads don't cost you any more using our system than any other retargeting system because we're all buying the same traffic. Mm -hmm. So we're able to create a massive audience for you basically at no cost that you can retarget very inexpensively. So tell me about like the economics of this. So let's say uh, you've got a thousand people that have visited a website you've got a client let's say that your client's selling snorkels okay we'll just stick with that example <laughs> okay and, uh, you got a thousand people that have visited that site versus you go to uh, you know some sort of conference where swimming equipment is being sold or I don't know what a, a high school swim meet or something you know and you uh, you know you target you know 10,000 people that have visited this particular location that that's relevant to snorkels um, are you going to get, I'm assuming you're going to get a much lower conversion rate on the retargeting of the geofenced demographic versus the retargeting of the direct uh, visitors to the site. Is that correct? I don't know. We don't, we don't really have any stats on that, but I don't know that I would believe that to be true because based on where they are, they're, they're kind of opting in for something. Like, like I had mentioned that example of if they go into an Italian restaurant, we have a pretty good idea they like Italian food. Yeah. If they wander onto a car lot, we're pretty well convinced they're in the market to buy a car. Yeah. So, so based on like if they go to a trade show, they go to a trade show that sells, you know, swim meet equipment. Yeah. We got a pretty good indicator that that is, that might be in their future buying purchases. <laughs> right, right. So. I really think that it doesn't matter whether they've come onto a website to express an interest or gone to a location to express it. They've still expressed an interest. So I think they're just as valuable either way to retarget to. Got it. Got it. Um, and most of the people that you work with when you, when you run a retargeting campaign, are you retargeting using this geofenced sort of, option or are you retargeting based on visitors to the site? Well, traditionally we've retargeted on visitors to the site. The whole crowd targeting thing is fairly new for us. We developed it uh, for a couple of particular clients here about a year or so ago and used it so effectively. We're just now starting to roll this out. We haven't really even told everybody about it. In fact, the 
the content, the page that's on my site that talks about it has only been on there for about two weeks right now. <laughs> so yeah. this literally is very new. But what I can tell you is everyone that we've used it for so far, yeah, it has, it's been a game changer. It really has. <laughs> so where, if, where does the user receive the notifications? Again, is it on their phone just getting a standard notification or are they seeing banner ads or what, this, how, how are they being communicated with? Yeah, sure. This is different than notifications. We're not sending notifications to their phone. What we're doing is we're sending ads to their devices. And when I say device, that could be a cell phone, that could be a home computer, it could be a laptop, it could be a workstation at work. Anywhere where they're on the internet and anywhere they have access to apps that run ads. Like if you pull up on your phone, let's say you pull up the weather app to check the weather, there's banner ads there. Got it. So we're able to display your banner ad right there when they're, when they're using their personal apps on their phone. So it's going to come in front of them as they're using the device, whatever the device is. What, if they're on their it. laptop or yeah. – <laughs> yeah, go ahead. What, what kind of penetration do you get? So, for example, if you have 10,000 people coming through this, you know, swimming event and, uh, you know, they're, they're all on different devices, they all have different apps, they all use those apps with different types of regularity um, – you know, are, are you seeing that, you know, half the people that pass through there will eventually see your ad or 10% will eventually see your ad? What, what kind of penetration are you getting? Oh, I, I think probably the, the vast majority, if not all of them, are going to see your ad eventually. Because I don't know anybody that is using the Internet or a cell phone that's not looking at some sort of an app that displays an ad, you know, yeah. at some point in time. Yeah. And the ads are very inexpensive, too, because... They sell the ads out of the ad network at a at a a cost per thousand impressions, mm -hmm. and an impression basically means your ad was displayed in front of that user. Mm -hmm. And the cost, you know, depending on the niche, it can vary, but on average, it's about ten to twelve dollars per thousand. Interesting. So it's really inexpensive to be displaying your ads, and the key, like any advertising, is repetition. Mm -hmm. If they see your ad once, yeah, okay, great. But if they see your ad 10 times, 20 times, mm -hmm. 30 times, it's almost like it's it becomes ingrained in them. Like we all know when we go into the into the supermarket and you're standing in the toothpaste aisle and there's there's a hundred different tubes of toothpaste and you reach out for the crust. Why is that? It's because four out of five dentists recommend Crest, and we've heard that a thousand times. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a subconscious thing. We're trained that Crest is the one you buy. Right, right. And that's well, because of repetition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the reasons why, you know, I'm so intrigued by this concept is because I can see the potential for a direct application with our business. Um, so we... You know, I, I don't know if you did any uh, research or looked at my profile too much before the interview, but Glassbox offers a fintech portal to companies that are trying to raise money. So we're able to basically make the capital raising process more efficient for 
private companies that are public companies as well, but usually a small, you know, public companies that are on the smaller side would use our, our system. But most of the clients are private companies, most raising between 2 million to $20 million. Um, and they would use our service in order to have a broader reach into, you know, um, the community of potential investors, as well as just make the, the overall process of, of raising capital more efficient because we have a lot of legal documents and other kind of services that go along with the portal. But um, the, the, the user, the, the, the typical user or target user for our service is a user that would likely go to, um, you know, like there's a show called The Money Show in Las Vegas or, you know, there's a, a conference that happens local to me every year called the the Roth conference, uh, where a lot of, you know, up and coming companies go and present to get in front of, uh, prospective investors. And so I could just see a lot of <laughs> conference opportunities where you yes. could capture the user base and, you know, continually retarget them and, uh, would be a great fit for, for what we're doing. And I'm sure a lot of other people who will listen to this uh, will find, you know, other similar applications for their business. It's, it's like a way to, um, you know, capture um, a demographic that might not even be thinking of using your product. Cause one of the challenges I have is that, you know, people are, our service is fairly unique. You know, we're taking uh, what's been known for many years as a private placement memorandum and reconfiguring it into this internet portal format and then we're adding a, a distribution element to it. So it's a, it's a pretty new concept and it's not something that people are readily searching for online. So doing a pay-per-click campaign is, is a tough approach, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, sure. You know, but if you can get in front of the right demographic and expose them to what you're doing, um, you know, might create more opportunities for scale. And I could see that you know, again, not, not just with our business, but other people who are actually using our service uh, to raise capital that may be in kind of a, uh, you know, a, a, a new area or, or moving into some uncharted territory where, you know, the pay-per-click spend might not be as effective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that, that is a really good point because Anytime that you're advertising, you have to, you know, one of the biggest challenges is how do we reach the market? Mm -hmm. If the market's not looking for you, if they're not actively aware of you, you're right. They're not searching. So if you're doing SEO, that, you know, that, that wouldn't be your best choice. Mm -hmm. and, and I tell people that all the time, you know, even though I'm an SEO guy and that's kind of my background, I don't recommend SEO to everybody. In fact, there's very few clients that I actually encourage to do SEO because it's just not right for them. Now, is that for a lot of companies, they don't, they're not going to have the same problems that I have in that, you know, if you're a dentist, for example, you know, everybody's looking for a dentist, you know, and, uh, and sure. there's going to be plenty of, of search traffic for that. Um, but, but for somebody like that, who's in kind of more, traditional field or selling a more commoditized product um, where, you know, they're trying to differentiate themselves based on brand, but the search traffic is out there for that product. Um, tell me whether you would recommend SEO to a client like that. 
The, the only place where I will recommend SEO to a, to a client is where there's a, a high enough search volume to justify it and there's enough profit in the sale to justify it. Okay. You've got to really look at those two key components because, you know, you can only spend so much money to acquire a customer. Right. If your customer is buying, you know, nuts and bolts from a hardware store, you can't afford really to do SEO for that. You can't you can't spend that kind of money to acquire that customer. But if that customer is buying HVAC units, mm -hmm. then it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it, it's all about the cost of acquisition of a customer and, and what that cost is going to be and what's the lifetime value of the customer to acquire them. Mm -hmm. So knowing that math, that makes it a lot easier for me to be able to recommend does SEO make sense or not? Because SEO is not cheap and it's not, it's a long-term game. It's something that you have to invest in over a long period of time to really get the benefit out of it. Mm -hmm. It's and not you're talking, something, about, you're talking about organic SEO. So yes, correct. What, what about pay-per-click? Do you recommend that to most clients or no? Absolutely. If SEO makes sense, pay-per-click makes sense. Mm -hmm. So they, they really go hand in hand and what you can do, if SEO makes sense, the way that I, I really recommend doing that is going into pay-per-click first to verify it. Because you can buy the traffic, you can buy traffic on particular keywords and make sure that they convert before you go dump a long-term effort into SEO to find out that you did the wrong keywords. Got it, got it, okay. So again, it's very strategic. <laughs> yeah. So where do you find the biggest bang for the buck right now? I mean, it sounds like SEO and pay-per-click is, you know, can be effective for some customers, but it's not the most cost-effective right now. Where, where, what is the most cost-effective right now? Well, I believe, and this again is predicated by you have to have a, a, an audience to do it with, but retargeting, I think, is probably the biggest bang for the buck. Okay. More than I, more than social media advertising. Correct. Yes, I believe so. I think uh, you know social media. A, a lot of people. I'm not in the social media game, so there's probably a lot of tricks and things that I'm not aware of that maybe I should be. Mm -hmm. But from what I see, just from like a general perspective of of my view, is a lot of people that think they're doing social media. They're posting. They're they're busy but they're really only communicating with the people they're connected to. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, that's not the customers they're trying to acquire. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of people spinning their wheels with what they call social media advertising or, or campaigns. And, and it's kind of sad. Now there's people that I see that are advertising on Facebook and they're not, they're advertising. They're not doing like social media posting to their friends they're targeting strategically groups of people that are connected and, you know, they're gathering on Facebook. So in essence, it's a crowd. They're going into Facebook and they're strategically targeting a crowd. Now that type of advertising, I believe is highly effective. Mm -hmm. uh, cost effective. Again, it's the same thing. You've got to look at the metrics of what does it cost in every ad source to reach the audience and what's the value of the customer? And that's how you make sure it, it makes sense. Okay. One, you know, one last concept that I want to touch on in this interview is um, 
ClickFunnels. You know, you were telling me a little bit about, you know, what you're doing or early on, you were talking a little bit about what you're doing with funnels. Uh-huh. Um, walk our audience through kind of the purpose of a funnel and who funnels are most uh, applicable for. Okay, sure. And this is the, the whole word funnel is a marketing thing in itself. Okay. <laughs> because as you know, a funnel isn't really a real thing. It's, it's something that the marketing world came up with to give a fancy name to a sales process. Because okay. that's really all a funnel is, is a sales process. And in the real world, every sales process has something on the front of it called lead generation. You have to be able to get in front of somebody if you're going to make a sale on the other end. And quite often, the reason it's called a funnel is you pour a bunch of people in the top in the big part of the funnel, and then your customers fall out the little hole in the bottom. So it kind of weeds them out. That's where the funnel thing, it's a visual and quite brilliant. I don't know who came up with it, but it's quite a brilliant visual. And, uh, you know, kudos to whoever came up with that. <laughs> right. Why, why is this? It seems like the terminology has become a lot more uh, prevalent in recent years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the idea of, um, you know, I'm going to put in place a funnel to better capture customers. Why, why is this in vogue right now? Well, the whole thing about calling something something unique is what I call a unique mechanism. And, you know, that's something that several of the Internet marketers, again, even that term, unique mechanism, is something that was a, a word created by Internet marketers to, to mean something, have particular meaning that's attached to them. But a unique mechanism is the, the thing in your ad campaign that delivers the results. And like for this, a funnel is the thing that delivers the results. People want more business, so the funnel is the thing that does that. So the funnel itself is a unique mechanism. Like, for instance, I I give you an example of a unique mechanism out of the diet industry. When, you know, back when diet pills came out, it was like the perfect thing. Everybody wanted the, the magic pill, you know, take the pill and lose weight. The pill does the work. They don't have to diet. They don't have to exercise. They just want what they want and they want it now. So when the pill came out, everybody had them. It was like the first pill hit the market. And by the end of the month, there was 10. And by the end of the year, there was a hundred and people all started buying them. They didn't work. And this became a big problem for all the people that were selling diet pills. So one person got the, this brilliant idea not too long ago that they would say, our pill has Garcinia Cambogia in it. And that's why our pill works. So now all of a sudden, they're not just a diet pill. They've got something with a unique mechanism that's going to deliver the result. And literally overnight, they sold a gazillion diet pills. Mm-hmm with Garcinia Cambogia. The reality, the truth of the matter was the Garcinia Cambogia was in all the pills. It's just nobody said it. Wow. So by the end of the month, guess what? All the pills now were touting, we have Garcinia Cambogia. So the guy that, that leads the pack, he says, well, our Garcinia Cambogia is cold pressed. We haven't cooked the active ingredient out of it. 
So again, now he's a step ahead. He's got a new unique mechanism that's going to make him different. That's the thing that will take you out of price wars. When you're the same as everyone else, it's, it becomes about price. Right. When you've got a unique mechanism that actually people see, ah, oh, that's why that one works, then price is not an issue. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad you went through this because the way, and you, perhaps you have an answer for what I'm about to ask, but um, I view ClickFunnels, I mean, ClickFunnels is the name of actually a, a service that creates funnels as well, but, Correct. Um, but I view funnels as just sort of a, a new term that's describing something that's been around for some uh -huh. time. Would you agree? Exactly. Yeah, that was my whole point to that. It's just, yeah. it's a unique mechanism to deliver the result. Business owners want more sales, right? And the thing, the diet pill for them that's going to get it is a funnel. Right. <laughs> so right. Right. so that, that's exactly the point to that is the funnel is just nothing more than a sales process. Yeah. And some people, I think some people view funnels as sort of a standalone web page that's designed to sell a specific, a very specific product. So for example, you as a, as, as a marketing agency, you know, you might have a, a page that's just designed to sell your geofencing service, right? Correct. And, you know, you could have a funnel set up just for that. So you're talking up to, to customers to whom that would be applicable uh, and, you know, just kind of taking them through a process on that page to whittle them down based on interest level and, you know, their capability to pay for your service and so on. Correct. But the thing with a funnel is a funnel isn't just a landing page. A funnel is a sales process. So the landing page is just a piece of the funnel. So a true funnel is going to have an attention grabber on the front of it, which is typically an advertisement, something that's out in the world to say, hey, you know, I've got this cool thing. Come take a look. Okay. Um, in real life, an elevator speech is exactly that. When you meet a person, you're going to throw out a couple of sentences to try and grab their attention. That's an attention grabber. So every funnel has to have one of those. If it doesn't, it's doomed to fail. The next thing is it's got to have, it's got to have a promise. You know, you have to offer something up to create that initial interaction where you can create a communication. In the real world, that's an initial meeting. You know, you, you first have a, an introduction and then you schedule an appointment to make your presentation. So again, it's, it's replicating what works in the real world. The, the thing I see a lot is people get online and they think, oh man, I'm going to get rich because I have a website and they throw everything that worked in the real world out the window and they, they develop a pipe dream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guarantee, this is something I can guarantee everyone. Nothing is going to work online that didn't first work in the real world. Mm -hmm. And, and that's boils down to a sales process. If your business doesn't have an effective sales process, you better get one. So, yeah. So, so to go through, to go through what you were explaining as far as funnel architecture, you know, you start out with the attention grabber or the elevator mm -hmm. pitch, which might be yep. your, you know, Google AdWords ad, or it might be, you know, a banner ad or, or an ad in the real world even. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah. that drive somebody to a specific site for this specific product and, or service. And then there, uh, you're likely to have a webinar, am I right? Where, you know, you're giving your, your presentation as you would in a meeting, like, like you were suggesting a second ago. Yeah. So yes, the, your second step is what's called an offer. And it's not the offer you have at the end where you sell your product. It's an offer. It's a small micro-commitment offer. It's like, hey, I have a really valuable webinar I would love to give to you for free that will show you everything you need to know about the problem you're having mm -hmm. and how to solve it. Mm -hmm. That's an offer. Now they're opting in. They're saying, yeah, I would love to get that from you for free. How do I do that? They opt in and now they become a lead. So right. you have just generated your first lead. Now, what you want to do, the next thing is you have to make sure that they show up to consume the webinar. So there's, there's a thing called an indoctrination series, which is a four-part, or it could be more or less, but typically it's a four-part email series to get them pumped up to actually show up to the webinar. Because signing up is one thing, but showing up is completely another. So in the webinar, in the indoctrination series, these four emails go out, could be one each day or one every couple of days, but the first one goes something like this. Hey, I'm glad you signed up. This is going to be really valuable for you. Let me tell you about the first thing you're going to learn that's really important. And, and basically, you're giving them a hook to show up. And then the second one, at the end of the first email, you say, I'm going to send you another email tomorrow or in a couple of days, and I'll tell you how this next thing is going to be just as important, if not more. You're building anticipation. And at the end of that, they're going to, they're going to be like dying to get on that webinar because it's everything they've ever wanted. <laughs> yeah. And then in the webinar, what you need to do there, again, you're building demand and desire, and you're eliminating objections prior to making your offer. Those are the four key components to a, to a funnel or a sales process is grab attention, create demand and desire for what you want or what you're offering, eliminate objections, and make an offer. That is the, that's like the, the rudimentary pieces to a funnel. And there's a lot of little things in there. It's not just a web page. Mm -hmm. If you think it's just a web page, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> again, that doesn't work in the real world. You can't grab somebody from an ad and just do a buy or die. Yeah, you'll make a couple of sales, but you're, you're not going to build a business on that. Right. And then there's even a follow-up sequence. Like if they didn't buy, you have to anticipate why. If they fell out of your webinar halfway through and they didn't even get to the offer, you need a way to bring them back. You need to give them a replay. Um, if they didn't show up, you know, you need to understand that and offer them the replay. Say, hey, you know, I'm sorry you missed out. We did a great webinar and people were raving about it. Here's a link if you'd like to watch the replay. It's a whole system. A funnel is an entire system and it is a multi-part thing. And, you know, that's probably the thing that keeps people away from doing it is they think it's too complicated. And it really isn't. Everything's simple. If you know the pieces, you can easily assemble these. You don't have to do it all in a day. But you could, you could say, hey, you know, over the next month, I'm going to create a funnel and I'm going to do this piece each day. 
Right, right. And uh, you can accomplish it. Nothing is difficult about it. It's all, it's all simple stuff. It's just knowing what to do and how to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think um, each piece of it in isolation is pretty simple, but it's coming yeah. up with the overall architecture that I think is difficult and having the discipline to follow through and actually get all of these pieces created and, and working together. I, you know, I, it takes a lot of collaboration between you and the end client. Mm -hmm. And I can just imagine, you know, cause I deal with a lot of small business clients as well. Um, big business clients, same case. Um, I think that they get distracted or preoccupied with other things and yeah. completing projects like this can sometimes be difficult because it's not something they can really, a client can just turn over to you. You know, it's going to take, I would imagine it takes quite a bit of collaboration to get something like this done. Yes. Yeah. They have to be actively participating in the process. Right. Because I'm not going to know all the nuances about their business. If they don't convey that to me, then I can't really be that effective for them. Right. Right. Well, I, I appreciate the time, John, you've taken us through a couple of really interesting concepts. Um, you know, I, I, I know you don't like to call it geofencing. What, is, what, what was the term of art that you used? Crowd? We're, we're calling it crowd targeting. That's, yeah, crowd, our, that's our unique mechanism. <laughs> yeah. Crowd, crowd targeting and funnels, I think are two, um, two categories of marketing that, you know, everybody who's starting a business or thinking about getting more aggressive with their uh, digital marketing should, should really learn about and, and uh, apply in their own unique way. So I appreciate yeah, and, kind of walking and, the audience through that. Sure. And, and, and another thing, just as we close out here, I know you had mentioned click funnels. That is the big one that everyone knows about, but there's a, there's a much more effective campaign builder than click funnels that I like. I've been using them for the last couple of years. And if anybody is really interested in, in learning more about that, um, I'm happy to share, you know, exactly what I use and how I use it and all that. You can get the information on the website at internetdominators.com. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely want to give you um, the opportunity to kind of tell our audience about um, your business once again. And, and uh, you know, the value I see in companies working with a firm like yours is that, you know, they're actually going to get these projects done. I think if you provide <laughs> You know, if you try to take it all on yourself um, and you try to, you know, ClickFunnels is a great example. There's a lot, there's a lot of, I've, I've tried it before, to be honest. I, it's a DIY type program that they have and uh, it becomes pretty overwhelming, you know, if you're, if you're trying to implement an entire program yourself. And so it's always good to have an expert on your team that can kind of make sure that you're designing the right program for your business and you know, that it really gets done and that it's effective when it's all over. So um, if there's any, are there any particular programs that, you know, you want to plug right now that you're offering, you know, outside of what we've discussed? I would say, you know, that we've kind of covered the main things that I'm doing. I would really encourage people to get into my act program and really learn what what it takes to build your own funnel, your own sales process, and then decide which pieces of that you want to outsource. 
Got it. Got that it. would be. And I, I have also on the website, I have a thing where you can get a free 15-minute consult with me. Okay. And I, I'm happy to look at anybody's project and see what you're doing. And, and again, it's a free 15-minute consultation. I can point you in the right direction pretty much uh, on contact. <laughs> Well, well, terrific, John. Well, I thank you again for joining us and uh, look forward to catching up again in the future as well. All right. Great. I was happy to be here and uh, thank you for having me. For sure. Okay. Talk soon.